0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Angel Audio Productions, providing audio reproduction for 25 years. Find us online at www.angelaudio.me or on Facebook at Angel Audio Co. Want to hear more about what we're talking about? Find the podcast at www.angelaudio.me podcast. Do you listen to many podcasts? No. No? Um,
1: but apparently a lot of people do. Yeah. <laughs> they do. I don't have time to the only time I could think of would be when I go to the gym like listen to a podcast while I work out at the gym or in the car
0: in both places uh, all the time
1: I would rather rock out at the gym Yeah. and in the car I'm usually trying to think about what I'm going to do at my next place where I'm going next and at least have that be time where I can think or honestly I have to pay attention to my driving because I just love to drive <laughs> so I want to like, continue to absorb the whole experience of driving because yeah. i love driving yeah so podcast might interrupt all that
0: that's um so technically like right now we're doing a podcast like okay it's not live yeah good like none <laughs> rarely in life or on facebook or anything is anything live like you're right even I mean, when you it can, says right, no, right even when it says live yeah. it's still recorded and then put up yeah everything has to be gone through the sensors
1: Correct. So, I understand
0: that. Uh, even on like iTunes, though, like mm-hmm. this stuff can go out. If I put it on a podcast, mm-hmm. no one's censoring what I put up. You know, because a podcast you can't see. it. You could talk about whatever, but you can't right. see anything. So really, the censors come in and when
1: when stuff. Yeah, when you're mean. not. Yeah,
0: or I mean, if you're talking about it, no one can prove that you're actually doing it. True. There's a difference there. True. So, um, at War of the Worlds is one of those things that that came from like mm-hmm. here's people right on air doing things but no one can prove that it is or is not happening so uh that's all you know one of the things i would, without the video part of it this place is huge mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean mm-hmm. like yeah, if you're just going with the podcast you know and even if i don't say that like if i edit that part of it out of it i'm like well welcome to the angel audio production studios uh you yeah, know, we would know how big no the one studio would know is. how big the you studio be sitting is. in
1: your bathroom as long as it's right. not echoey
0: Right. And even still, I mean you, know, you take your bathroom and uh, soundproof it. Yeah, put mm-hmm. up baffling around it and it just takes it and, and a lot of people do. That's a green screen. That's what all that stuff is, you know. <laughs> uh I have a good friend of mine who's a West graduate too. Uh he basically has about the same size as I do uh, of a place mm-hmm. and does the same, you know, you could, there's your green screen and yeah. you just kind of do what you do. You yeah. know? Uh, we just set a background. You sure. know. Mine, I can change the colors of it. And
1: cool. Do other things. I know you're, you're like high tech. <laughs> uh,
0: so actually, you're the first person to do a podcast slash YouTube thing from the house or from the production studio. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is one of the things we're trying out. So that yesterday we started, I did a podcast and I met mobile out at uh, I went mobile out to Caldys and Valley and yeah. sat there. And That's
1: usually a pretty busy place. Yeah.
0: we the, They got the room in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's nice. They're still loud, though. I mean, it was...
1: Well, they have hard surfaces everywhere, so it just echoes like crazy. Yeah.
0: And the windows are down. They're so not set I, up for that. No. I mean, it's just... If I would have taken different microphones and done different things, mm-hmm. I thought we were just going to sit at the like a booth and just do it a quick, you know, but we were in the big room and I was like, Oh, well, if I was going to do that here, microphone, this do that. Right. But it, it wasn't, it was Didn't just learn. A, yeah. I mean, it came out fine. I'm editing it now. It's, Good. Uh, you know, so, uh, yeah. all right. We are here. Why are we here? Uh, we're going to do a, uh, are we doing personal history today? Or are we doing spots about work? What would you like to do? We came to chit chat and talk, right? Mm-hmm. See what's going on. Mm-hmm.
1: So we'll just ch- whatever, whatever <coughs> we'll just chit chat. Yeah, I I've prepared zero, so okay, know, good. Whatever it is is just going to be organic.
0: Good, good. Uh, we talked or have been talking recently about um, Story Vault is the name I like I that put on it. I like that. Uh, part of that, the idea of it is uh, like it's sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> Story Vault. Uh, What Story Vault is basically is that we go out with video cameras uh, and set up a shoot to nursing homes or things of the such and uh, get stories of people uh, before they pass away, you know, and we offer it to them in an, uh, in an expressed down like a memoir form, you know, once you get the story and you boil it down, you know, you get the story and you just edit it down to the most not the most basic parts, but you hear all the story. The
1: most pertinent parts. Yeah, and you give it back to them
0: with either video or photos. And uh, it's, you know, it's a basic interview of these people. And the hard part is getting them to talk, you know, and figure out, you know, what stories they want to tell. So um, we're, we're doing that as a kind of a, today we're doing it kind of as a, trial run right to sure. see what questions work and go hey how does that you know how does sure. it work you know
1: <laughs> does, it, does it elicit what you're looking for right. and what they are looking right. for frankly
0: because i you know before we put it to market before we try it before we do all this other stuff to put into it we got to go okay is it something that people want and from what i talk to people about i hear a lot of yeah <laughs> uh i think i people would want that And I go, okay, well, let me keep working on it and, but not work on it so long that it takes me too long. I want to get in on it and go. That's the, so.
1: So the two people I told about the same thing, so they definitely would have been interested. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, So I have found some questions that were printed and there's some pretty, I mean, there's 10 pages of questions here, so I'm not going to go through all of them, but it, (laughs) you know, uh, and what we would do is send them out beforehand and let people decide what they would like to...
1: And gather their thoughts about what they'd like to talk yeah. about. Yeah,
0: so it wouldn't be such, such a, you know, like, hey, here's a question, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. That was 80 years ago. Yeah, right. Because, uh, right, you know, like the first thoughts were based on childhood. Uh, and, it, like, what was your childhood home like?
1: I had more than one childhood home. Um, born in Indiana. And I was adopted by the way so that's one fact about me uh, both my brother and I were adopted my parents couldn't have children so they adopted us um, so born in Indianapolis lived in Indiana until I was uh, in kindergarten and then we moved to North Carolina and lived there three years and then moved to St. Louis so I don't really have that mm-hmm. typical childhood home to think back on and say oh I can't wait to go home because it really isn't one of those for me
0: So when did you come to St. Louis? What year?
1: 1971.
0: And and your age was?
1: I was in sixth grade, finishing up sixth grade. So you were? like 12. Yeah, okay. 11, 12. Due to a job transfer, my dad, job transfer.
0: And then uh, when you came here, which part of St. Did you settle down in one area or did you go to multiple places?
1: Nope. Settled in Chesterfield, back before Chesterfield was Chesterfield. My dad worked downtown, so all the people he worked with thought he was absolutely crazy to live out in West County. Um, We even looked at Lake St. Louis, but he decided he liked Chesterfield better. So that's where they settled, stayed there until they moved to Florida uh, for their retirement. So that's the area that I know best is West County. That's why I worked there, went to school there, Um, went to Parkway West. So I'm a Longhorn and uh, really liked the area. And he was happy. To move his family there it was a very comfortable place and um we lived in a subdivision that had a lake and so in the summertime we bought a canoe and we canoed on the lake a 10 acre lake good enough size um and in this in this wintertime then it would freeze and we would ice skate over there it was just it, those were fun memories yeah. so i guess in some ways that isn't early early childhood but those are some really good memories that we had recently enough uh
0: tell me about so west county for people who, tell me a memory about West County, you know, like you're, describe that neighborhood lake.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, it was one of the bigger lakes I had ever seen as a 12 year old. I was really excited about it. We just, we walked across the street and we were able to go to the lake. It had a big spillway, which is sort of exciting. So when it rained, you could watch the spillway and all the water fly off the spillway. Where is it located? Um, right off Baxter Road. Baxter and Isleview. There's okay. a ten acre lake back there. Really? Mm hmm. So the subdivision was Claymont Woods. And so um, all the people that I knew from school, we all sort of, a lot of us lived in that subdivision and we'd get together, you know, to enjoy the lake. And they even shot fireworks off the dam. There was a dam next to the spillway. Is it and still there?
0: Is it all still like that?
1: All of still like that, yeah. Now nobody shoots off fireworks now. We had a crazy neighbor <laughs> who loved to shoot off those old big craters. I don't know, what do you call it? um the big ones. The Anyway, they made big noise. So the first few years, we actually had 4th of July parties down there with families gathering all along the borders of the lake and he would shoot off his fireworks and you could see it in the water. It was very cool, very cool. That's nice.
0: Have you been back there?
1: Have Um, you ever sold a home in there? Well, I sold their home when they moved to Florida. Um, That's the only home I've sold in that subdivision. Uh, But it was um, one of my most difficult sales as a real estate agent, honestly, because it was very personal. I mean, I remember my, my bedroom there. Um, and so when it was time to price it, I had a hard time with that because it's hard to tell your parents something they don't want to (laughs) hear. Like the price you're thinking is not the price it should be. Um, so it was a, a very personal sale. Um, that was a little difficult, but we got it sold. And one of my favorite memories of that home was that we had a curved wall. So you walk in the house had an open two story foyer and up on the second floor, there was a curved wall. So it was very cool. It was on the way to my brother's room. He got, yeah. the, he got the cool wall room. But um,
0: but you don't see that in homes. No, although you don't.
1: And it had a sunken bathtub, which you don't see now either. Yeah. Um, it was green, yeah. but you Wait, know. How
0: old is that house do you think?
1: Um, we moved into it in 71. It was built in 68. So now it's getting much older. And it was an unfinished basement for us. So we enjoyed playing ping pong down there. We roller skated down there, rode bo- bikes down there. And since then, I know that it's turned over several times since my parents moved out of it. Um, And somebody finished the basement, and I have seen the house since that was done. I went about a year ago, I saw the garage door open, two cars in the garage, and I went and knocked on the door and I said, I know this is really odd, but I used to live in this house. I grew up in this house. And they were like, wow, honey, the original owner's here. (laughs) (laughs) And so they took me around and showed me what it looks like now, and I shared some memories of living in that house, and it was, it was actually pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool.
0: Uh, I've had similar to that, where where you say that, you know. Yeah. I said, please uh, don't think I'm crazy. or people are weird. I know. Yeah. Don't think I'm crazy. No. I'm. No. Yeah. Um, what was your parents' relationship like? Was it a strong one? Was it? Uh, it
1: was. They were married uh, forty three years when my mom passed away. Um, first marriage, only marriage for both of them. Um, I think not being able to have kids early on they um, brought them closer together. And they were awesome parents. I mean, they were just salt of the earth parents. Couldn't have loved us more. Uh, What did they do? Mom uh, probably did secretary stuff early on with my dad when he worked. And then when we moved here, she worked part time in a, um, a church in the office, just sort of helping a parish. And then she did work in a real estate office as a secretary. So I can't say that the real estate came from that, but I heard about real estate growing up. Uh, I don't think that had a direct relationship, but yeah, she did that. And then my dad was a metallurgist by trade, and so he um, worked with metals and rolled stuff. I remember going out into the warehouses and seeing lots of metal rolled up, and it was very noisy and dirty, and he loved it. and he then toward the end, his last he did mostly sales, I guess, and so mostly his last job was for like a tool and die company down on Broadway downtown. So it was quite a haul to come all the way out oh, yeah. to Chesterfield to that house. But he loved it. He loved uh, living there.
0: From so West County in St. Louis, West County is uh, like basically thirty miles, like
1: from the city, give or take, to mm-hmm. the city. Yeah. Yes. So every
0: day it's a you know sixty mile back and forth thing. A bit so. of a hoof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Wow. growing up what was the biggest disagreement you had with your parents
1: um i god i was a i was really a good girl growing up i um really respected my parents and i you know i never even had a curfew growing up because i was such a good kid and i didn't want to disappoint my parents that I don't know that we really had too many disagreements, frankly. We really we really didn't.
0: You can think of one. One. You can think of something that you and either mom or dad did not agree
1: on. Oh, probably boyfriends, probably there's probably one of those in there somewhere. I would think.
0: (laughs) I won't push it too hard.
1: (laughs) So it must not have been a very big deal because it didn't really make an impression. My brother um, and I probably had more conflict than I did with my parents. Because uh. he was two and a half years younger than I was. So, close enough in age that he was annoying and wanted to be hanging around me because I was the older sub. But, um, yeah. I, okay, so the, the worst thing that ever happened at my house probably was the day that my brother got all wound up and I had a poster up on the wall in my bedroom and it got torn. Because he reached up and, he didn't mean to, but it ripped part of the poster and I just... Pretty well went off the rails about it, because uh, it was my favorite no poster ever. Which one was it? I don't even remember what it was. I remember it was black, and it had print on it. And I remember because by putting the edges together, you could still see the underside of the... And so tape wouldn't fix it. Yeah. And it just couldn't be fixed. So I was pretty ticked about that.
0: And the marker wouldn't fix it. No.
1: <laughs> no. Marker was not going to fix it.
0: Yeah. Um. Click that's okay fashion <laughs> uh we're gonna keep going sure uh i had to reset a camera because we're recording video too and it's okay. one of those things but okay. editing works a lot easier yeah, when i is. say something out loud okay um uh, uh, And I have to sit back down. Mm. Ah, what was your role in the family? Because you said you were the older sib, so.
1: I was the older sib, so, um, you know, my brother was stuck wearing the shirt. Yes, I'm Linda's brother, you know, because I did very well in school. I was a good student. I really enjoyed school, got involved, did clubs, did activities, Highlanders, um, you know, palms, just all of that kind of stuff, uh, marching band. Um, And he wasn't as strong academically, so he had a little bit rougher road going through because, you know, they were all used to what I did, and he wasn't quite the same. He wasn't quite the same.
0: Are you close with your brother now?
1: We're very close, actually. Um, Where's through, he? Uh, he's in Ohio. Um, has lived there for like 20 years. Won't ever have kids, so I don't have any nieces or nephews, and never will. He won't be having kids. Um Which is a bummer because he's a really fun guy, but, you know, this relationship with the wife, the wife just can't. So they decided adoption wasn't it and so they're just childless and they've got dogs, four of them. They have furry babies. Oh yeah. Um, But we're really close. Um, We had an aunt who had never married and when she had poor health, um, we really had to come together to help support her because she didn't have anybody else to care for her. My mom had already passed away by then. So we really worked well together on that and worked well when um, we had to clear up my dad's house and go through all of the estate stuff with my parents. Um, we never had any disagreements.
0: Uh, that's good, though. I mean, if you can't remember, my fam
1: Torn poster. I mean, yeah. really, if that's... the if that's, yeah, if that's the, a thing, yeah. It was a thing. Yeah, Oh, it was a thing. Because I was pretty mad. <laughs> I mean, if that's the only thing, then, you know... <laughs>
0: Uh, so it sounds, you know, it sounds like you had a pretty good childhood growing I up.
1: I did. Uh, I mean, my parents weren't wealthy by any means. I mean, he, you know, made a decent enough living that we got to live where we did. And I can't ever remember not having what I wanted. I don't mean just anything I wanted I got as a spoiled brat. I just mean we had a nice childhood. We always had food on the table. We didn't struggle. We weren't wealthy, but we were comfortable.
0: Uh, what were your hobbies?
1: Um... I really liked swimming so we we did belong to Forest Hills Country Club and so in the summertime swimming every day we would just spend every day at the pool. And then they thought that it was a good idea that I learned golf. So they put me in the junior golf program, both of us, and we did that. So I have a working knowledge of golf, I'm not great, but I have a working knowledge, my dad thought that would be a good idea. And then it did morph later into jobs as lifeguards for both my brother and I, we both love swimming and diving. And so we did it sort of in high school and we did it in the summertime and swimming was a really strong hobby. As I've grown older, I like gardening, but that wasn't something I did then. I really like reading and swimming. It put me in a pool and I was a happy camper.
0: Reading and swimming. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't do those things at the same time. No. mm-hmm actually can't multitask at all. but that's- <laughs> Um, all right so we're getting into teenage years right like growing up sort of are yeah uh ooh your first serious romance or the first person you kissed either one of those
1: oh sure um he lived in our subdivision do you know his name oh sure he changes his name his first name is mark with a c last name was something that isn't doesn't exist now he changed his last name because he sort of divorced his family And changed his last name. So he died. Uh, yeah, sort of. Yep. Um, eighth grade over by the spillway by the lake. Cause he lived right across the lake from me. Got the ID bracelet and the first kiss right there. Nice. It was nice.
0: Uh, one, some way i have to figure out how to push harder on those things. Like how to get people to
1: talk about this.
0: Yeah. Like how to get more out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, if that's one of those things that feels like needs to be done, you know, right. like it, it's, if somebody gets to talking about it and they go, mm-hmm. and you go, oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> you know, like, But some people, you know, you put them in front of a camera or whatever else or a microphone or anything else. And they really clam up. Like they just, they don't like to talk and they especially don't like to be recorded because right. yeah,
1: yeah it's like there it's Right. there's forever. Right. Like photo on the internet. It's there forever. Right.
0: Right. And that's part of secure... Uh, story vault mm-hmm. is that we're taking the stories and we'll store them and you get to tell people that they're there mm-hmm. and give them access to mm-hmm. watching them it's not for anybody sure. it's uh you have to have a login to see it and you have to i mean you know you wouldn't want everybody out there to do it so yeah. all right let's move into work as you're growing up uh, what was your first job and how did you get it
1: i was a lifeguard love being the lifeguard Taught swimming lessons actually, so I got hired at Parkway West. That was my first job. Um, In the the indoor pool? At the indoor pool, teaching kids swim lessons on Saturday mornings. Yep, that's where I started out at a dollar, I think it was like a dollar 68 an hour. I mean, you know, that was rip-roaring then. And then I also worked um, at the open swim where people could come in for two hours. I paid 50 cents a kid, 50 cents a person, and they could swim for two hours at the pool. So just, again, an extension of childhood of loving water in the pool, first job there. So that was an indoor pool. And then when I got old enough to actually get a lifeguard job outside, I mean, I did that all the way through college. So really enjoyed it.
0: Nice. And then what did you do after that?
1: Um, after lifeguard, probably during college, I, wa- um, I was a nurse assistant, which I could start doing because I was in nursing school. And so when you started getting those skills, they allowed you to be a nurse assistant on the floor. So really, you had to have some skills. So after about a year and a half, I think, of nursing school, you were, you were qualified enough to do that job. got a job at University of Missouri um, Hospital there on the campus in Columbia. So I was a nurse assistant each year until I graduated so I could have some extra money and something that actually made sense to learn more about. I also, I think I did a little bit of part-time stuff at the dorm. I managed the front desk. So when mail came in, I get to put it in the slots. And um, when all the other popular girls got flowers, I got to tell them that they were there. I never got the flowers. They did. But that's part of your duties at the front desk is to let them know that their flowers have arrived. Busy day on Valentine's Day.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> do you uh, what do you think got you into the field of nursing?
1: Um, in high school, we had to write an English paper about what we thought we might want to do later in life. We had to interview someone as part of that paper. And my cousin uh, was a nurse in Indiana, and so I called her and talked to her more about what she did. i don't I don't know what what my interest was, I guess in the very beginning unless it was just sort of that helping people piece, which seems to be really part of my DNA is helping people. It's been there the whole time. So I guess that seems to be a good nurturing kind of profession. When she told me about what she did, it really rang true for me. So I wrote the paper then um, for Mrs. Breakbill back at Parkway West High School. And we talked about that. And so um, I did well on the paper and it still seemed like a good fit. And so when it was time to think about college, I looked at places that had nursing schools. Got accepted at all four. I applied to Southeast Missouri State, Mizzou, uh, University of Evansville in Indiana, the Purple Aces, and, um, and Baylor. And I really liked, I, I never made a campus visit to Baylor, I wish I had. I really thought about Baylor a lot, because I thought, I think I would have been a Texan, I think I would have really adapted well in Texas and become a Texan. But my mom decided to point out that it would be handy to have her and her laundry facilities only 90 minutes away in Columbia. A lot of my friends were going there, so I thought, oh, what the heck. But I did interview directors of nursing, and I, I several of them to say if I got a degree from any of these four schools, which one would mean more to you? Which one would would show that I'm a I'm a better nurse when I get it? Fair, more and weight, yeah. everybody across the board said Mizzou, and so that really was the decision point. That and mom's laundry and cooking.
0: Uh, there weren't as many choices back then either, were there? um for nursing school,
1: probably not but i knew i wanted a degree program though i didn't want just about i i didn't want just a diploma program which you could get in two years and you just pop out and you're done um i really wanted the four-year degree experience and i also wanted some campus life frankly i mean because i had because i was adopted my parents were fairly overprotective of me and i was i not i not that i wanted to rebel when i left but i just wanted to be able to live on my own and see how to do that. And so I, I lived in the dorm actually for two years because I didn't go into a sorority and then moved out and lived in an apartment for two years. Um, but I wanted that campus life. I wanted to feel that. So I wanted to get my four-year degree. I thought that was really the better way to go. And my cousin really recommended doing a four-year degree that I'd be glad I had it later on.
0: What, um, when did you learn you were adopted?
1: I've always known. I, I just, like they, so. They- They told you there's no, Mm -hmm. there's no like, no, no big reveal. No. Um, I knew my whole life that I was adopted. Um, when I was younger, they would tease and say, well, they, they picked me at the baby store. You know, I was chosen, which, you know, Mm -hmm. feels good when you're a kid to have your parents say, well, we actually chose you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, We looked at you and chose you over someone else, you know?
1: And so I would tease and people say, well, you know, where'd you come from? And I'd say, well, the baby store, I mean, you know, both Jay and I were at the baby store, right. so um, th- and it seemed pretty special to me, and so I've always known, and so when people find out that I'm adopted, they make sort of a big deal about it. And so to me, because I don't know nothing else, it's just how it is. Right. And I had very...
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: <laughs> very great parents, actually.
0: <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Uh, the one thing—the one thing about I, production, especially live production—you yeah. notice that I just look at it, right? Uh, <laughs> you learn somewhere along the way that stuff fails.
1: So yeah, and you, you just, just roll with you it. You just look at it. You just you sort go. of have to roll with it. Yeah. There's
0: no. Uh, and the more that you look at it, but not just like don't. Um, literally, it says Bluetooth. <laughs> carry on. Yeah, <laughs> just carry on it doesn't really matter you just stop you know um because stuff fails you just you you go okay thanks and i guess what i was getting at is the more i teach people don't act like there's anything wrong Mm -hmm. the less you act like there's something wrong
1: right the more, the it, less it's of an belief, event it will be. Right.
0: And people don't know the fact that something has gone awry. They just go, oh, well, that was part of the show, right?
1: Fake it till you make it.
0: Uh, the suspension of disbelief is a wonderful, thing. So.
1: so being an adopted person, uh, people would find out about it. They'd be like, wow, you're adopted. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I didn't really understand the implication at all, and I was like, well, "That's what I've always known, and that's what I am." And okay, so the, so the, here's where it impacted my life was, not in child, not in childhood, not in middle school, not in high school, not really even in college, until. I realized I don't look like anyone else, and so I always people would see me with my parents, were like, "Oh, you look so much like your dad," and I, you know, he and I would look at each other and we'd laugh because we're like, "Yeah, right." Or even if they said about my mom. I think people try to create those relationships when okay. they think that they're there, but they're not. Um, but where it became important was when I had my first child. It was so cool that someone in the world looked like me.
0: Yeah.
1: Or I look like... I mean, you know, that that familial-looking relationship finally existed for me, because I never had it growing up. And, you know, you see these big families, and they all have the 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 Arnold family widow's peak, or they have the Smith blue eyes, or they have the Whatever that feature is, right? I never had that.
0: Um, Well, not that you're aware of.
1: Well, I did seek out my birth mother. I did some searching. I started that back in the early 80s, um, started thinking about that. And I read back then, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have an easy way to find it. I had no money to hire someone to find her, and I wasn't that desperate to do that. Um, I had some basic information from the adoption, the baby store, the adoption association, um, but back then, and Indiana, by the way, still to this day, uh, adoptions are not public knowledge. They're locked away. You cannot get For it. For everybody, original regardless. Right.
0: And there's no way to? <clears throat> like they don't.
1: I don't do I don't think so. If both Zoom? parties say yes, maybe, but then I think you still have to go to court to get them unsealed. Hmm. So it's very difficult. Um, I did find when my mom passed away, I got to get into my dad's safe deposit box. Um, and while I was in there, I found the original doc, the documents, and I found out what my birth name was. And I found out what my birth mother's name was, which was an unusual name, which was helpful. Mm-hmm. And so I think I have located her. And last summer, I, I went to Indiana to try to have an encounter with her because I called her and she said that she alive? wasn't. Yeah. Well, well, I think so. She says she's not. She yeah. says she's not my birth mom. Okay. She's denial. Full denial. She said, oh, no, it couldn't have been me. I was away at college then. It just it couldn't have been me because she was 19 at the time. And I said, well, being away at college certainly does not disqualify you from having a child. So I don't, you know, she said, no, 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 I'm not her. And I said, well, I guess I'll have to just live with that. So last summer I decided I was just at least going to try to see what she looked like. I was back to that. I'd love to look like somebody. I've got Mm. my sons, but I still would like to go upstream a little on that. Because there's no information about my dad, other than the fact that he was a year older and in the Air Force. And they broke up immediately upon finding out she was pregnant. So I have no idea about my dad. Um, but I did have information about her, and she lives within blocks of where my parents went to high school in Indy. So the fact that she's not it and has a very unusual name and she's trying to deny it, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. So I did do a little stalking, legal stalking uh, of her house. Never did see her, which is a little disappointing. Um, her daughter saw us in a car outside of their house, and they got all wiggy, and so I thought, okay, I'm bailing. And I left a note on her door, and I just said, I've been here. I wanted to meet you. I really wanted some information about my dad. And I wanted you to know that I'm okay. I turned out really well, and thank you for doing what you did. I ended up with fabulous, wonderful parents who, who I, I couldn't ask for better. And I'm not looking for anything from you other than I would just love to know who my dad is. And she sent back a wicked voicemail to my work phone, that another agent picked up where she was just awful and reiterated she was not my mom and that she was going to get a restraining order against me if I didn't stop. Like I left her my business card. I I wasn't trying to hide, um, but she clearly, if she's who who I think she is, I do have a stepsister who probably knows nothing about this and if I were to end her life again, this would just probably blow up her relationship with her daughter. And I, I don't have that as an intention in any way, shape, or form. I don't want to cause a rift in their relationship. So I just decided not to pursue it anymore. I, I went as far with it as I want to. And if that's the woman that she, that's my mom, then I really have even less need for her now, now that I know right. how she was.
0: Well, <clears throat> I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting story, regardless of how it turns out for you. You yeah. know. Um It's a learning experience, regardless.
1: It was, and somebody asked me why don't you approach your stepsister? And I said, you know what? I just don't feel like it's my news to give. Yeah. And many, many people have said I was a fool for not reach I I could reach out to her now. I mean yeah. I know what her Facebook page is, I know. She actually was a teacher for a family friend's daughter. I mean...
0: Well, she probably doesn't know... Like you said, she probably doesn't she know anything no idea. about it. I no. mean, this woman went on to get married, have a life, do whatever else. Right. You know, that she was She became something. a widow at
1: 24, by the way. If all, if what, if what, the information that I found is true, she only was married once after she had me, she got married, had my stepsister, and then her husband was killed, and she's never remarried. Hmm. So I've I've learned a little bit about her story through twenty-three and me and, and ancestry, just sort of digging back and looking for information. Um, and so I can't confirm it by DNA quite yet. I have like I have somebody who I do match with who probably I could draw the the lines and make sure that it was her, frankly. I think I could. But, you know, she was indignant saying, I've never taken yeah. a DNA test, so I don't know how you think I'm really who you think I am. But what she doesn't understand is how DNA works, right, right. and so I can say, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're it." Right.
0: Um,
1: how she do you knows, feel? How do you feel about that? She knows where how I am. Know? I mean, she's got my phone number. She knows where I am. If she really wanted to do anything about that,
0: she could. But you haven't seen her, right? I Which have was not like the number her. one thing that you wanted to do. I really wanted, wanted to, to, to see her, like... and I
1: could see her from a distance. I didn't. I would not have even necessarily had a talk with her. Yeah. I just want to see what she looked like.
0: Yeah. Um, Fear is a, a, a incredible thing when it comes down to because I mean she, that's basically a life that she put away somewhere in her life. If it's her, I mean, it's a life that she put away and said, "Okay,
1: that's done." And Slam that was probably door one
0: of the most hurtful and oh things that she'd ever done at 19 years old to go through all that and yeah. all that and adopt you know put it up for adoption and all the grief that went along with it and all the stuff that comes after. And every know,
1: October eighth she has to think about it Mm. there's no way not to you don't have a child and forget about it um so every october 8th she has to think about it my birthday
0: something right
1: yeah um and she was single i don't even know if her parents knew if she was away at school her parents may not have known um i do think that at the end of the pregnancy she stayed at one of those um unwed mother homes is what they called them back in the late 50s and it was very different then to have a child out of wedlock i mean you hit it. You didn't talk about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exa- that's, that's what I'm thinking. You know, like time. it's a, a, to think about what the social stereotypes and all that stuff were back Huge. then. Huge. And, and I don't know if you did. ever even get over that. <clears throat> that's why I don't, I don't think you do. No. Cause it's part of your, it's part of your psyche. It's part of the way that you were brought up and mm-hmm. you, you, I really believe that you, you're, you repeat some of the same cycles over and over and over again. They just get longer.
1: And then I think the fear of the, fact the that this charade longer. has gone on so long that there's no way to make it square up with her daughter. She there's probably just... wonders
0: what the hell you want, really, like what you're getting at. Like, is there something right. that you're going after?
1: Right. And I actually I actually stalked outside of my sister's home because I knew my mom was there. And so I did. <laughs> I did follow them for a little while. And so probably my stepsister was freaking trying to figure out who in God's name would be stalking her, not understanding that I was there actually for her mom. Right. Yeah. Freaky for them, freaky for me. And I just, I've said, I'm done. I've done, I've pursued that as far as I want to.
0: For now. (laughs) True. Was there a person, a mentor maybe, who is, uh, who'd be, who had a big impact on your working life?
1: It's a really good question. Um, you know, boring? No, not really. No, I um, I seem to have picked the right profession fairly early on, and I seem to just really acclimate well. It was a good fit for me, and I just I loved being a nurse. I really did. Um, And the only reason why I'm not a nurse today is just because I lost my job and it was a pivotal point um, in my career. I've been a nurse for quite a while and I really had a dream job and I I lost my job because my company got sold. And so it was really a crossroads of what I was going to do with the rest of my life after I lost my job and decided it was time to change. So... You know, I served as a mentor for many young nurses coming up um, through the ranks. There are several that, that even remind me today, they're like, oh gosh, it was so great learning with you and you were such a good mentor for me. So rather than having a mentor, I served as a mentor. Yeah. I really wanted to encourage um, young nurses and, and help bring them along and help grow the profession. I always felt some stewardship in that regard, that it was, Not an obligation. It was something I wanted to do, because I liked it so much. I wanted, I wanted other people to like it as much as I did.
0: Uh, I know a a fair amount of nurses, and they all kind of have that same mentality where they like doing it. Uh, They like doing it for the fact that they're helping people. Yeah. It's a you know, same thing. Rewarding profession. All you know, all those things kind of go into what they've said about it too.
1: That whole helping thing, you can't make it up. You either have it in you or you don't. It isn't some skill set you You go out and get. I mean, compassion and dealing with people um, in difficult times and difficult situations is just something you either have or you don't.
0: I think it's, it's something you have or don't, period. <laughs> Whether it's difficult or not. I mean, some people... I mean, is that how you qualify compassion if it's in a... Uh, just a difficult situation or is it, you know?
1: I think it shines more then. I I think you have it all the time, most of the time, except for sometimes when I'm driving. Not as compassionate then, but um, no, I think think it really brings out your true colors in difficult situations when you can really help somebody who's struggling get through a very difficult time.
0: Um, If you had it to do over again would you do it
1: absolutely yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, I would take the exact same path and I would just hope that our company to get sold at the end and I could have stayed in it
0: how long were you a nurse
1: so I was a nurse for 20 years um, I started out on the floor at St. John's which is now Mercy um, so I did like medical surgical pretty basic kind of stuff did that for a year and a half and then I really wanted to go to the ER uh, My I had my sights set on the ER from almost the get-go um, which sort of fits into my I adventuresome.
0: Totally understand that right? profile. <laughs> I know. <laughs> totally understand.
1: Um, and so I went down and talked to the head nurse, who was a nun at that time, and told her I was ready to come down. Ready. She goes, "You're not ready." I go, "Oh, but I am. I'm a quick learner. I can do this." And she said, "No, I want you to have some ICU background first. This is intense stuff." Ah, I don't want to do that. I'm ready now. She said, "Call me in two years. Go to the ICU. Do your do your time." So I did. I went to the Med ICU. I really thrived there too because it was intense and it was just right up my alley. I liked that a lot, excelled at that, did it two years in a day, went right back down and said, I'm ready, I'm ready. She's like, oh God, you're back. I go, yeah, I'm back, I told you I'd be back and stayed there for like seven or eight years and just absolutely loved it, knew that's where I really was destined to be and loved the pace. I loved um, the challenge. I wanted to have the most difficult patients. I'm not you know, don't stick me in the back wrapping ankles, okay? I wanna do I wanna do the traumas, I wanna do the big cardiac cases, bring in the worst of the worst because I can do it. And I was I was a badass nurse. I mean I I I liked what I did, I knew my job, I knew I knew how to do it, knew how to do it well, and I'm not sitting here just patting myself on the back. There are people who know they can do a job and do it well And, and probably if I had done something else I wouldn't have done as well. But at that job it was just so well suited for me. Love the pace. You couldn't bring somebody complicated enough into me. It was like, bring it on. Bring it on.
0: Uh, Would you get back into it if you could?
1: Um, I was visiting a friend in the ER um, last week. And so I felt a little tug. I didn't feel a huge tug. I felt a little tug. Um, But it's so different than when I left 20 years ago. I mean, we didn't even have electronic charting. We, I mean, everything's so different now. I mean, I'm such a rusty dinosaur you couldn't even go back to it but um, the va- the the premise of fast paced work having to know your stuff cutting edge all of that is still very appealing to me that part is yeah for sure
0: uh well, we already went through it. you're doing a really good job of actually filling in some of these questions already
1: well, so then you know you got the right questions. <clears throat>
0: yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm kind of reading out as I go along, but it's um, uh, love and family. Love and family.
1: Okay. What about it? Were <laughs> <laughs> you married? I've been married twice.
0: And you have kids from I do. each or from one?
1: No, I have two boys from the first marriage. No kids from the second. Um, I wonder
0: their names.
1: Uh, Clark and Jordan
0: and when did you decide to have them so when you got so I got
1: married as 26 so it was a little bit later than a lot of other people I married a paramedic that I knew from the ER he brought patients in I took care of them that's how that worked out so we had a lot of common interests that we could talk about other people (laughs) yeah cases things Um, and I knew that if I was gonna have kids I need he had a daughter from a previous marriage already and I knew that if I was going to have kids, I needed to do it before I turned 30. Because in my mind, once I got to 30, I'd be too set in my ways. It'd be too hard to do it, you know. Um, going through nursing school and pediatrics and everything else, I just knew what it took to, to raise a child. I had a pretty good idea. So I had my first son when I was 29 and a half. I mean, I I was ready. <laughs> and then um, then I decided I didn't want to have an only child and said I wanted to have a second child. And my husband's like, I've already got two kids. I said, yeah, but I don't. And I want two kids. So I got, you know, my kids were 20 months apart. When my first was about 12 months old, I ended up getting pregnant with my second one. So two kids under the age of two handfuls for sure. Um, had a great family life, child, childhood for them. But once their dad and I divorced, things got pretty rough and we don't really have a relationship anymore. Sorry to hear that. Me too.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I've got a grandson that I've met, I've seen a few times, but I'm not part of his life either yeah. because that's how it worked out. So I'm a grandma, but not really. And Maybe. a mom, There's still really. time. There is. It's just hard to watch and know that he's five now. I was part of his life for about a year when he was two. And so that's not going to be something yeah. that's going to be a memory for him. Right. So, yeah, that's typical. Still time.
0: You know. Uh, if you want it, if you know, if you want it even, although things are what they are. They they don't want things it. Things can so always be changed. That's, that's you're still here. Hope, that's you're the still hope here and you could that a mother
1: holds on to yeah. is that. Uh,
0: over the years, what was the most rewarding thing about raising your kids then?
1: Um, I really loved being a mom. I loved... Um, Doing the mom stuff like being the room mother and so I had to balance. I worked full-time I took off I think 16 weeks with my first one because I'd saved up all the sick time, you know, my whole career Um, So I could stay home a long time with him And then when I got pregnant with my second one, I hadn't been back to work very long, so There wasn't um, a lot of time. I only stayed home with my second for like Five and a half weeks because they told me if I didn't get back right away, I wouldn't have a job that was a bit of a problem because sure. <laughs> um, I loved what I did and I wanted to go back so um, stayed home with my second one for five and a half weeks and having two kids under the age of two is just difficult and trying to work full-time which I always did luckily they had daycare on the grounds um, at Mercy that um, that I could use and that worked out great so um, but I loved the the Boy Scout troops the swim team the All the activities, baseball, soccer, going to all those games, sweating, freezing, but with the other parents, um, did enjoy all of that, really enjoyed that. So it was just hard as we got closer to the high school years that, because that's about the time that I divorced their dad, that I lost out on my role of being as much of a mom as I would have liked to have been. So I got to be a mom, but not as long as I wanted to.
0: <clears throat> hmm. all right making some changes too okay uh, oh did you dream about doing anything special once
1: this uh, <laughs> is I, your question i have no idea what that question
0: <laughs> means <laughs> i was like what <laughs> uh, did you have dreams about doing anything did you have dream like something that drove you to keep going and have you have you been able to accomplish any of those things that you did or are you still working on something
1: um interesting um so my first job i felt like i you know as a nurse felt like i could really impact people My second job as a real estate agent was one that I just accidentally fell into. It wasn't something I grew up going, ooh, I can't wait till I become a real estate agent. It wasn't like that. Um, And it was lucrative enough that I could then do other things that I wanted to do. So it's a means to an end. Mm -hmm. It's an income. Sure, it's a career. And and you can put the helping people together with that also. So there's some of that. But it wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to do that. Because really, I... um, would like to get to a point where I can help uh, other people in other parts of the world, see parts of the other, other parts of the world travel, um, and also maybe make a difference there too. Because I've, I've heard of projects where like when you travel to uh, impoverished nations, you should pack a suitcase full of coloring books and pencils and backpacks and things that you could take to a school and, and help kids that don't have that. You know, when I order on Amazon, I order it through smileamazon.com so I can help provide water to people who don't even have clear, clean water. Um, I really admired Princess Diana for all of her work that she did. Um, I don't have the luxury of not being able to work and just go do things like that like she could. I have to work for a while still longer. But I, I, I do still. Be hmm? I believe that might be a false
0: statement. I believe that might be a false statement.
1: I'd like to still help people. Yeah. In different places. I
0: believe that you could quit right now, and go do it, and not, not have any worries at I don't
1: all. feel like that yet.
0: Uh, I believe if you wanted to quit right now, yeah, and leave, uh, you could do that to go help. People would pay you, not pay you, but you would right. be provided a right. for to right. go volunteer to do things. Right.
1: Well, honestly, I have one commitment that keeps me from doing that. I have to pay it an ex-spouse. I do. I have to pay my ex-spouse until he dies. And once he dies, the world's my oyster. But honestly, until that happens, as much as I'm paying, I can't.
0: Is there any way to put a trust together or something else that would somebody else? You know, if you found your way, and I'm I'm one of these people that doesn't. I you don't I've, take I've no made for an I've <laughs> made enough excuses. Right, my I own. know. I get that. Uh, that when I start, when I've heard them from other people, when I hear my yep. excuses or my yep. things, I look at yep. people and I go, okay, wait, well, you I'm, know, I got I've been that. told my whole life, no, you know, or like, and it's, I've gotten excuses from other people. Like mm-hmm. I want to go do this and they go, no, because, and I go, right. That's not a good enough answer for right. me. So, so
1: I have a financial obligation I can't get out of yeah, right now. That you is- can't
0: find your way out of right now.
1: The law says I can't get out of it right now. Oh,
0: but I haven't gotten creative
1: you... enough to figure That's out how I mean. to get around it That's yet. That's what I mean. I, don't, I can't get around it, how to I'm not, fulfill it. Yeah, without And still do what I want to do. But I have certainly been exploring options to try to figure that out. Because I keep thinking I'm not getting any younger. And I really view this time right now in my life as like the next 10 to 15 years are my, my window to do some of these really cool things that I want to do before physically I can't do it. Financially, I can't do it. Um, no, I, I, there's some travel I want to do, big travel, like to different continents and stuff right. that I really want to do. Um, and so it's just I'm trying to figure out that mix of how to make it happen. But I'm actively trying to think about ways to do that. So I'm not just using it as a convenient excuse, because it's true right now, but I am trying to figure out passive ways of income that could help fulfill this obligation that I'm stuck with.
0: Well, there's you know one good thing about having a podcast and having... you know, right outlets is that people listen right and so as they listen they go i know how to help with that Mm -hmm. you never know when someone's going to say that's you know the website's behind her and you know uh, contact information is attached to the podcasts and things like that because we want you to comment we want you to send in stuff and we want you to be like hey i know that right right and interact as much as possible i got stuck like that too and here's what i did
1: right you know, and so I've looked at are there careers out there where I can travel and do it from anywhere? My current career, no. I can't show houses from Scotland, you know, doesn't work so well. But can I figure out a different way to still use right. that knowledge and do something else? Right. And or do something completely different. Right. I mean a friend of mine I went to high school with invented a mirror, a specialized kind of mirror that attaches to his helmet that allows I guess it's not like anything that is is out in the marketplace right now. And he and his wife are making a lot of money off of this silly little mirror that they designed because they're cyclists mm-hmm. and they filled the need. So they saw a need and they filled it. So now he's got all sorts of passive income, put it on the internet and he's selling mirrors like crazy. You know, he doesn't have to be there. He doesn't have to do anything. He can go wherever he wants, check in and see how many mirrors we sell today, right, honey. Right. You know, so I haven't figured out what my Velcro is yet.
0: Yeah. Uh, but when I
1: do, then I might be able to do that sooner. So I'm trying to think of that.
0: Exactly. That's me too. That's why I keep putting together all these ideas to get this stuff done. Hey. Because it's, you know. Yeah. Um, it's important because I know that other people have done it. I know that uh, not even inventing stuff. I just know that other people have learned how to work the system. Right. I don't have to invent anything. I don't, I don't have to be that smart. I just have to be smarter than the dummies.
1: Well, when I read about a <laughs> 18-year-old who has financed her entire college education because... A family friend was China, I think Chinese, and the Chinese also give their babies Americanized names. And so she got the honor of helping someone choose the Americanized name for their baby. And that's her service now. She put it online and for, I think it's like 79 cents, they can pay and she'll give them an option of an Americanized name for their baby, right? It's online. It's automated. She's not doing a thing, and she has made hundreds of thousands of dollars right. naming Chinese babies that put her through college. It's a lot so, of
0: Chinese babies.
1: So, <laughs> if an eighteen-year-old can figure this out, right, we there can, are opportunities we can out there.
0: We can catch up.
1: We can figure this out.
0: Just because we weren't raised in the opportunity, yeah. that is out there, doesn't mean that we can't learn how to use the stuff that's out there. That's how There's I. There's plenty of know. stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, the podcast was a <clears throat> mainly about rules. And I am not a rule person. I believe
1: that. <laughs> Knowing uh, you, I believe that.
0: Uh, and I was told in a lot of ways that rules are important. And I went, uh-huh.
1: For some things, for some people. <laughs>
0: uh, it was a very long podcast, so... <laughs>
1: I'm always willing to ask for forgiveness, so I. Uh, that's all fine with me.
0: Uh yeah permissions it's kind of that required. one of those things Mm-mm. no i did it this morning it's one of those you know i could when you ask it gets a lot of people in ruffles if you just do it right like, nobody knows anything yeah you just
1: i live like that a lot
0: <laughs> well as soon as you open your mouth everybody gets involved and you're like
1: it's already done and
0: i go what one person one person no radios no nothing else one person could have gone that way and i would have been like thank you very much <laughs> That's it. That's it. no, it wasn't like that. And I go, this is why you just. Sh-.
1: I ask for forgiveness when I have to.
0: Um, we're moving to another page. Okay. <laughs> Taking a break. <laughs> i'm reading Mm
1: -hmm. is your dad still alive he passed away in october of 17.
0: so yeah both both your parents are my mom
1: died um, so my parents built a house in florida in 2001 and they wintered there for two years um, while their house was on the market here in st louis and uh, then when they sold the house here in july of 2003 they moved to florida full-time it was my dad's dream the whole time I was growing up, my dad was like, when I retire, I'm going to Florida. When I retire, I'm going to Florida. I mean, I could do the mantra in my sleep. And so once he hit 65, I'm like, you ready to go? And he's like, well, I'm not done working yet. I go, but dad, when you retire, you're going to, to Florida. So so go. Go while you still have good health. Go. Mm. So finally at 70, we you know, we pushed him down there. And my mom, so they arrived in July of, of um, 2003. And in April of 2004, my mom passed away. She was only there seven months full time, which just underscores why you, there's no reason to wait for your dreams and wait for things because you think you have forever and you don't have forever. You don't know how much you have, but assume you don't have very much and just live the shit out of it every day. Yeah. And because we keep you don't saving
0: know. up for an end now, that we don't know how much money or how much will be there at the end. And right. We don't know how much time and how much will be worth any of it at the end. Right. So... I, I'm with you I
1: <laughs> know no, in fact I'm thinking like grab your Social Security money at 62 when you can um, Take the retirement when you can I'll figure it out later If if I took it too prematurely, but it's gonna let me do some of the things I want to do now much sooner And so I don't see a reason to wait. I've always here's an interesting thought I've always felt like I Live at a faster pace than other people and I don't know if people understand what I'm saying and what I, I guess what I what it I feel like is I'm always on the move, I'm high intensity, I'm, um, I'm high intensity and I'm that way because I don't think I'm going to live as long as other people. I'm not sitting here saying I've got a death wish or anything, I just don't see me living a long life, so I'm trying to cram a long life into a shorter life. And that's probably sounds odd to people, but I've always known that. It just I feel like I've got to live a little faster to cram it all in, so I am a lot out there so I am and there is there's so many places I want to see there are so many things I want to do and there's Lord even if I knew I was living 150 years there wouldn't be enough time so I'm trying to live as fast as I can but that doesn't mean I'm just zooming by it means I'm stopping to smell the roses or I'm going to Amsterdam to see the tulips in the fields in Amsterdam not in Holland Michigan but in Amsterdam where they really started right I want to do it organically. I want to go see all those things. I want to see my giraffes in the wild with their heads coming through the window in Kenya at the Giraffe Manor, having breakfast with me. I'm not going to do that on a video, and I'm not going to watch a travelogue. I want to do it in person.
0: Uh, I would actually like to do the travel log. <laughs> like, I want people... While I'm doing that stuff, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. filming me do it. Oh, of course. That's what I want. Oh, yeah. Like, me filming this is one of those oh, yeah. that...
1: Well, there's a there's a show called Private Islands, and Christina Sinich, or whatever her name is, has, like, my dream job. She gets to go to islands, and they film her, yeah. and she talks all about the stuff, and yeah. she gets to eat the cool food, and see the great yeah. lodging, and talk about Tonga Basie, and why you want to go there. Oh, sign me up. If I can figure out a way to make a living and travel, I start tomorrow. I would start tomorrow.
0: That's a. Uh, I would. If I could take cameras and sit down and talk to people like this about their lives and whatever, have translators or not, you know, just people who are there talking, right? Yeah. That'd be great. I'd. Yeah. I'd, yep. Sure. Fine. Because uh, I don't actually want to run the cameras. I would rather just sit and be like, hi. <laughs> like, experience it while yes. people are shooting me. Yes. Exactly. I was asked one time, would you rather be at home editing or would you rather be out, like, shooting? And I go, neither. I would rather be in the car that you're shooting, driving it. Right. I would rather be the person performing the acts than the ones that <laughs> the ones sitting there doing I the work I want to live the adventure. It. Yeah.
1: I don't want to read about it. I don't want to watch it. I want to be part somewhere of it. along
0: the way. I either got told no, or I just didn't know how to go find my yes into it. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't find how to get into that. So
1: find your Velcro, and then you're in. Well, that's
0: <clears throat> I'm working on that, right? <laughs> that's that's mm-hmm. part of the podcast, and it's part of talking to people and sure. and getting out and being like we talked about yesterday. This is mobile. I can do 32 channels of individual recording. I can do an entire band, you know, like outside somewhere. So Mm -hmm. like if you have a band or a garage band or anybody else, your family, you know, and you want to go record them, Mm -hmm. you know, for a set. Sure. I have microphones, everything else. Come set it up. Just record the whole band and be like, cool. Thanks for the set. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's just fun at that point. You know,
1: I've always, you know, I feel like I'm a big kid. Because I still like to have yeah. fun. Yeah. There are a lot of people that are way past fun, which is really sad to me. Because fun's why we're here. This is the the best part of life is the fun. And fun can look different ways, right? For me, it's going down a zip line. Um, it isn't jumping out of a plane, by the way. But it's it's almost everything else than jumping out of an airplane or bunch and jumping. We talked about that before. Um, but I still want to do fun stuff. And I think... People are amazed when when I show up to Zipline when everybody else is pretty young and I'm the almost six-year-old going, pick me, pick me, because I want to go do that. And there are very few things I won't try. I want to enjoy it all.
0: You and I are like in that fashion where uh, I don't even want somebody with me, like a practitioner with me. I'm like... Teach me how to do it so I can do it by myself. <laughs> like yeah, I don't yeah, want you touching me. Just yeah. let me do it by myself because yeah. I wanna. Yeah. I wanna get out and you know, you're 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 doing the experience for me. Like I I right. did skydive, but I right. was attached to somebody else, and it was the only thing that I didn't want. I wanted to jump out myself. Sure. Because right. someone else is still doing the experience for me. I get it. It was fun. But it wasn't quite the whole fun. There's not enough experience or fear in it for right. me i have to make that decision he kind of not that he pushed me out but he didn't
1: right you it know, wasn't all your you didn't you didn't run the show
0: right right uh i couldn't fly my dad was a, is a pilot uh cessna pilot you know mm-hmm. single mm-hmm. so as a kid engine, yeah. yeah uh we flew a lot of you know vacations we'd get sure. in a plane and fly sure uh so for me i i still would very like i have a drone i love flying my drone I would. I would like to rather be up there myself. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, licenses are not something that come cheap in this world, no, and no one ever said, "Hey, come with your license with me." <laughs> uh, I guess I could do it with a mechanic. Like go be can be a mechanic at an airplane place and probably be able to do it. I should probably. That's a good idea. There Maybe you go. Write that, that one down. That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who knows you better than anyone?
1: Probably my brother. Probably. Um, either my my brother or somebody I call my second mom there's a woman named Sandy and her husband Gordon who were I called them aunt and uncle growing up but they were just good family friends of my parents Um, and she gets me she really gets me Um, and so she's she's still around she's in her 80s now too so I don't know how much longer I'll have her she gets me, and the other person that really gets me is actually someone who I call a daughter. Notice I talked about two kids that were boys. Um, through my second marriage, um, my husband was 18 years older than I was, so there was quite an age gap, and because of that, he had kids practically my age, and then he had grandkids. Well, one of his grandkids is a daughter who um, I became very close to throughout my marriage with him, and now she calls me mom and I call her like she's my daughter because she's the same age as my kids, my, my own mm, kids. Mm. Um, and she totally gets me. I mean, she really, it would be like as if she were my daughter. I mean, we just have good experiences. We traveled to Europe last year together. Um, she totally gets me. So I'm lucky to have like three people that really get me.
0: Nice. Um, what do you think a key to a great friendship is?
1: being a good friend to yourself for that person. So showing up, you know, not having it be a one-sided relationship that one gives everything in that friendship, it needs to go both ways. So if you're the one that's always getting the phone calls and you never call that person, they're not going to feel like you're a very strong friend. You need to be there for them. But in that way too, I wouldn't want a completely one-sided relationship where I'm the only friend no, the person's like, oh, yeah, you're calling again. Oh, great. Yeah, good. Or they don't answer. Really great to hear from you, Linda. Um, I'm sort of busy. See you later.
0: When they don't answer. That's not insane. a friend.
1: Right. So I'm very lucky that I have... So when I went through my second divorce, it was tough. Um, a lot of emotions involved. Um, and I had a really strong girl network to help support me in that. And um, to this day, there are probably ten to twelve women I would call pretty close friends, really close friends, who I could pick up the phone and say, I need you, come here right now. And they would drop what they're doing and they would come. Whether they're in California or St. Louis, it wouldn't matter, they would be here.
0: Nice. Those are good friends. Yeah. Who makes you laugh the hardest?
1: Uh, probably my friend Bob who I have a relationship with right now. He does make me laugh. And that's something that's been very important to me. My brother tries to make me laugh, but he's such a goofball. I know all of his jokes that he's not funny anymore. Um, He thinks he should be the class clown for me, but he's not. Um, No, I think Bob really gets me. And so we end up doing a lot together. And he does make me laugh. And that's something I didn't have in either one of my marriages. So our relationship is good because... We have such a good time together. Um, he likes to travel. We spent um, a, about ten days last year in Yellowstone, driving around, looking at buffalo and 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 looking at geysers. And um, some of the time it's it's quiet, and it's just such a comfortable relationship. And he'll crack a joke, or I'll make him laugh, and it's just a very easy relationship, which is not anything I had with every one of my ex-spouses. So it's very refreshing to yeah. have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good to notice that too. Yeah. Do you have a favorite book or author?
1: Um, no, I um I just pick up like, if I'm going to go to the beach, I'll pick up two right. or three bestsellers um, for the rack at the airport, frankly, whatever sort of looks interesting. I do like um, an easy read, And if I had to sit sit here and think of authors, I probably couldn't do it right now. But um, uh, I like drama. Um, Romance novels, not so much. Um, Just things where you have to think about it. Like there's a plot and you're trying to figure it out all along the way. That's way more interesting to me than reading something, some romantic novel set in the 1600s, which appeals not to me at all
0: you mentioned going to amsterdam Mm -hmm. did you you went
1: i did go it was part of my europe trip last year with uh ashley who i call my daughter ashley um she had a a business trip planned with new belgium brewing she works for them she um and so after you're at new belgium for five years they reward you with a trip to belgium so she got she was up for her trip to belgium for a week and she said hey would you like to travel to europe ahead of time do a little pre-traveling before I take off with my group. And I said, well, that would be fabulous. So we came up with a couple of destinations. We each put a few names in the hat and we ended up going to Switzerland, went to Geneva, um, spent two days there. We went to Paris, spent two days there. We went to um, Belgium for two days and that's where I dropped her off with her work group. And then I went on to Amsterdam uh, by myself. I had never traveled Well, I've traveled internationally before, mostly though to like the Caribbean or a work-related trip that went um, over to the island of Cyprus and we went through um, Switzerland, Iceland and Canada to do that. But that really wasn't touristy travel. So so I'd sort of been out on my own, but not 100% on my own. So I handed her off to her group and I got on a train by myself in a foreign country and went to a different foreign country and spent the time all by myself. And that was, um, I knew I could do it cause I feel like I'm a very independent soul. So I really enjoyed my time by myself in a foreign country. felt like a big girl, you know, really
0: did. Is that one of your, is that like your best trip? Is that your favorite trip? So far, that, trip? I, that
1: was really, um, a, an amazing trip. We only had eight days to work with and so to only go two days to each of these countries, you know, you hear about Paris, I and mean, you could probably spend a month in Paris. I spent two days in Paris, so we'd really, we crammed everywhere we went, we crammed in as much as we could. But part of it was a, more of a, a fact-finding mission to say, hey, is this a place where I'd wanna go back to? Spend enough time to say, yeah, I really loved it there. So would I go back to Paris? Yep. Um, would I go back to, I would probably go back to Switzerland tomorrow. And I would absolutely get on a plane tomorrow and go back to Amsterdam because There's an eight week period from mid-March to mid-May where a place called Kuchenhof opens where the bulbs grow. And it was the most magical place and I only had half a day there. And, um, because of the weather, they never know exactly during this eight week period when the peak time is going to be for the blooming. And because that had been a cold winter last year, everything was two weeks behind. I should have been right in the sweet spot of everything. And because it had been cool, I wasn't. So, I had said after that trip last year that I would get on a plane. Once I knew that things were in prime season, I would literally get on a plane and go back and spend two days in Amsterdam to go to Kuchenhof and then just fly home. I would do that because it was that impressive. I enjoyed it that much. Nice. Mm-hmm. Water. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> of
0: course. Uh, you mentioned somewhere. Somewhere you've <clears throat> never been, where, where would it be? if you could go somewhere you've never been where would it be
1: i have two places i have so i have the africa trip that i really want to do um to see the giraffes because that's my favorite animal but also to go on a safari and see the animals that you see at the zoo in the wild i want to see the elephants i want to see the rhinos i want to see a leopard i want to see i want to see all of that in their natural habitat um, and take some amazing photos. I'd like to do that. And the other one is to go to Bora Bora. I want to go to the South Pacific and stay in the little huts over mm-hmm. the water mm-hmm. and have them bring my breakfast out in mm-hmm. a canoe <laughs> and have the ocean be my pool. Um, yeah. With the floor that's glass and you see the fish wow. and yeah, that would be the. Th- those two are at the top. They've been at the top for a long time. So, nice. uh, as I'm getting closer, I'm going, I mean, I, it may be even next year. One of those two things will happen. One of those two places will happen.
0: What are five things you couldn't live without?
1: Interesting. Um, hmm. I love taking pictures. So I have to have a way to take pictures because I want to capture the memories of what I'm doing. So some way to capture images is important, whether it's my phone or whatever. Um, I have to, uh, happiest to be near water. So I need to be near water. That's sort of non-negotiable. Why I'm living in the Midwest with no water is beyond me. It just doesn't fit. That's why I'm anxious to get out of here. Um, so being near a beach is, is pretty important. Uh, so let's see. So I have images. I've got water. I'm not, um, I'm not a foodie. I eat like, like a kindergartner. Mm. So, so exotic cuisine actually is a problem for me if i ever travel to china i'd starve because i'd have to go to the chinese mcdonald's and just get sustenance because i'm not going to eat any of the weird stuff that they have there i don't like weird food so i have to have access to basic food that i can identify and then i can eat because i don't eat fruit and i don't eat vegetables so it really cuts back on how much there is to eat frankly yeah food i can eat images beach uh that's only three. And probably an animal. I just really like animals a lot. Yeah. It's gonna be hard to travel with an animal, right? now. I've got a Doberman, which makes travel impossible. Well, not not with her. Tell impossible. me about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really love animals. So I, I think I would be destitute without an animal. And probably I can't come up with a fifth.
0: Uh, do you have a beloved personal possession?
1: Probably ma- my car at the time. Yeah, our material I'm things. A, yeah. I'm a car girl, so I really like a good car, a, a fast car. Uh, yeah. A car that has power that you would not know where yeah. you could just hit that accelerator and you're like, Phew. yeah, I like, I like a good car.
0: Do you have a favorite car that you've had so far? How many cars have you had?
1: Um. Uh, I think I counted one time. It might be like ten or eleven. Um, I don't. Get, I mean, like the last one I had for thirteen years. So. Um, I really, I, I really do like the one I have right now. I mean, it's a, it's an Audi S5. I waited 13 years to get it. I kept another car that long and saved my money so that I could actually go out and really buy a fairly expensive car that I paid for. I don't have a loan on it. I yeah. own that yeah, car, nice. you know? Um, yeah, I, I do like it. It's, um, very stylish. I think it's very reflective of me. I think if somebody looked at me and then tried to pick out my car, I think they would. They'd say, yes of course that fits you know because i want to put the top down and i like having the wind in my hair and i like the speed and i like the adventure that that car allows me it's me very reflective of me
0: what's the bravest thing you've ever done
1: i may have to come back to that because i love the question i don't have the answer right now but i'm going to come up with the answer on that the
0: next one is what's the scariest or dumbest
1: oh um dumbest, we'll go with that. So I turned 16 driving the family Pinto wagon. I'd had my license like two months and thought it'd be cool to put my dog in the car so and go get my brother at skating practice or whatever and um, so I'm <laughs> very inexperienced at the bottom of my parents hill turning onto Baxter Road and decided to talk to my dog. Took eyes off the road and ended up putting my car down at the bottom of a ditch at the base of the spillway in fact. Spill away comes back to yeah. me all the time. Um, hit the and steering wheel, up. open up my forehead, mm-hmm. blood everywhere. I'm at the bottom of a ditch. I, I crawl out of the car, get back up to Baxter Road and flag someone down. It turns out it's our neighbor who lived behind us, who then promptly called his dad, who called my dad, who came flying down the hill, and there's blood everywhere, and my dad's freaking out. And it was just so stupid because... I was talking to the dog and not paying attention because I'd only had my license for two months. Mm -hmm. I should have known better, but I didn't. So I did something really stupid and hurt myself. And I still have a bad scar on my forehead to this day because of that. Traumatized my father. (laughs) I did because he sees his daughter just covered with blood. They put a big, he just grabs a towel, puts it on my head, puts me in the back of the car. My neighbor, our neighbor drives and they went, they didn't call an ambulance. They wouldn't wait for an ambulance. They just drove me straight to St. John's and. 250 stitches later, my face is put back together. <laughs> <How> <laughs> really, many? really stupid. How many? 250. They Holy said that, crap. well, they had to do some underneath closure first, like
0: in deeper the, yeah. mm-hmm.
1: closing stuff first yeah. and then doing, all, yeah, it was, it really wasn't smart.
0: Um. <laughs> no, look, I've been in a lot of accidents, so.
1: I haven't been I'm, in a lot, but that one was really bad. That was I've my first one and it was yeah. really bad. <laughs> I've
0: been in a lot, so uh I don't I don't in my book Stupid Isn't like those dumb things, that's not dumb. That was just um not right. <laughs> it was just not right. It was inexperienced. Right, right.
1: The other thing I did after I became a nurse was I was on my way to work one day on two seventy and I came upon an accident. Um I worked in the ER at that point, so I was in New York. ER Trauma nurse, and I came upon an accident where a car had literally rolled over in the middle of 270, and there was nobody. It's like it had just happened. I didn't see it happen, <clears throat> but I came upon it before there was anyone doing anything. And so I jump out of my car, park it on the side, jump out of my car, run across traffic, and now by now people are stopping because there's this car upside down in the middle of 270, which gets you a little bit of um, attention. And so um, I'm over there trying to help this woman. Her car's upside down. She's hanging out of the window. And I did stop to help her, um, not even thinking about whether or not would run, somebody would run me over while I'm running across the highway trying to get to somebody to help. That's, that's how ingrained helping is in me, that I don't even think about my personal safety. I just run to help people. That's, and so I ended up riding to the hospital. The DePere guys ended up pulling up in their ambulance, and they are like, oh, thank God you're here, because they knew me. And they were like, oh, thank God you're here. I'm like, well, I had nothing to work with except my hands that I had on her head for a wound she had on her head. I said, I've assessed her. I, I don't think there's anything else wrong. Turns out <laughs> we get her to the hospital and um, the doc is like, oh, I'm so glad you were on scene. I go, trust me, I couldn't do anything because I had no tools. I had no gauze. I had nothing. And she had a broken pelvis. She had two broken femurs. Probably I think her arm was also broken. But in assessing her, my adrenaline was just like, whew. And so was hers and she wasn't feeling any pain. And so I totally misdiagnosed her. So I wasn't cut out to be a paramedic on the scene. Yeah. But I did stop, and <laughs> At got her. the learned, attention right, we but... got her to the hospital, and she lived, and she lived. But running across traffic on two seventy probably wasn't so super smart.
0: Uh, depending on what time of day it is, and if you have your eyes open, well, yeah. it's not actually all that hard either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it
1: it's, turned uh... out just fine. But
0: <laughs> right, uh, not, you know, didn't have to. It, yeah, the the helpful thing, although. Helpful, uh, sometimes is a lot more hurtful. Depending, it's a uh, just because I have that life as well. So it's a uh, I still do it, although mm-hmm.
1: I. <clears throat> well, the help the help be the person you're helping has to sort of want the help. Yeah. or it doesn't go over quite as yeah. well.
0: Yeah, yeah. We talked about that a little bit yesterday too. So. Um, what were the best years of your life?
1: Haven't had them yet. The ones right now are pretty damn good, and I'm looking forward to some that are better. And it doesn't mean I haven't had good times, and it only can be in the future. I have had some really great times. I've, um, I enjoyed my career. I mean, as a nurse, loved it. I mean, when I was working in the ER, I was on top of the world. I was good at what I was doing. I enjoyed what I was doing. I had great friends. I mean, it was, it was a great time. Really great time. Um, and I enjoy my friends now so I'm having great times now too I just want to keep adding more I mean you know I'm not done so lots more to do
0: lots more to do Mm -hmm. mhm what's the hardest decision you had to make
1: um to let the fact that my kids don't want to have a relationship with me let that stand for now and respect the fact that they don't want to have it as much as it's breaking my heart to not have it um bad.
0: what do you consider to be your strongest character traits
1: um i am i'm not a quitter i'm very persistent i am uh i do <laughs> several people have said you've got the patience of a saint so I'll put up with an awful lot before I bend and break, um, which can be good and can be bad. I think that's why I stayed in my first relationship for 17 years when I knew pff, probably after five I should have gotten out. Um, I, I I don't quit easily. I kept thinking I could make it better. Um, so I don't give up on things very easily. Um, I think I, I'm a good friend to people. And... I think I'm, I think I'm smart. A lot of people have told me that. I feel like I am, um, probably have above normal intelligence. I can figure things out quicker than other people. I get a little, I get a little frustrated sometimes when other people aren't synapsing as quickly as I am on things. Um, but I try not to let them know that. I just try to hide that and so i think i can be a chameleon when i announced my two divorces in both cases people were shocked absolutely shocked who knew me well were shocked and i think it's because i can put aside discomfort i can put aside mental anguish and still put on the brave face and keep trudging forward i apparently can do that very well um i don't know how useful the skill that is but i apparently have it um I think I can hide some of my emotions sometimes. I can put it away and move on.
0: Do you have any traits or habits you wish you didn't have?
1: Um, I love sweets. God, I wish I didn't love sweets, but I really do. To the point where uh, jelly beans are super awesome and I can eat them by the bag, which makes my liver unhappy to the point where I was at a physician checkup one time and she just accidentally checked my liver enzymes and said, oh my God, your liver enzymes are way off. I mean, something's wrong. I said, well, I don't know. So we had to ultrasound and check labs. And I said, I I think it could probably be the jelly beans because it's that time of the year. And she goes, well, it can't be jelly beans. I said, oh no, it really could. She goes, well, how many do you eat? I said, a lot. And so, Once the jelly beans went away, my liver enzymes became absolutely normal. And so I really, really like jelly beans.
0: Have you ever done any research on sugar? Um, On on refined sugar? Oh, yeah.
1: Yes. And And my internist is so upset with me about my diet. I mean, always. And she said, everything starts in your gut and you shouldn't do that. And so I drink Diet Pepsi in excess and I eat jelly beans and I probably eat candy corn and anything else really sweet. I'm all about that. But I like my protein, so I'll do sweets and protein. But, um, yeah, sweets to an excess is a real problem. I go to the gym to try to offset it, but I know you can't exercise away a bad diet. Nope. I know that. But it doesn't stop me. I mean, the jelly beans are out in my trunk right now. There's some out there. <laughs> there are! I buy them by the bag. I talked to my trainer about do you,
0: this. Do you have a specific type?
1: yeah well, yeah. Of course the brocks and they have to be the speckled ones any flavor in that bag but no, there are no black ones in that bag because I, I do like licorice but i don't want them in my jelly beans gotcha so very narrow scope on the jelly beans so if i can't find that kind i won't eat them actually
0: um but my
1: diet's always been a problem because when you when you're around people and you don't eat fruits and vegetables so when you you get a meal and mm. you only eat half of it People, you know, the waitress thinks there's something wrong. I'm sorry. Was there something wrong with your meal? No, I just don't eat vegetables and I'm sorry you wasted the food on me. All right. It's hard to explain. It's embarrassing to have to explain to people about how I eat like a five-year-old, which I do. It's bad.
0: <laughs> Where do you think that came from?
1: I don't know. My mom took me to the pediatrician. This is an old story. My mom took me to the pediatrician when I was four. So I, I think as an infant, I mean, I didn't spit stuff at her. I mean, I ate whatever you're given. Just bananas and carrots or whatever but you know I think I started making my food declaration fairly early and so my mom took me into the pediatrician when I was four and said okay she's not eating fruits and vegetables and the pediatrician says she's just going through a phase she's four it's a phase don't worry about it yeah that's lasted my entire life (laughs) so yeah Uh,
0: do you believe that people can change
1: yes I don't know that I'm one of them. I don't know. I think I, I still... I, Are you a people? Am I a people?
0: Are you a people?
1: I don't know that I know what that means. Like some people can change, and that kind of people? <laughs> Just asking.
0: Well, uh, the question was, do you believe people can change?
1: Um, you know, I, I think people can make some modifications, but I think that the basic gist of a person stays the same throughout their life. I think there's a core person that doesn't change. I think you can change some of the cosmetics around it and how you present that, but I don't think the core of you changes that radically.
0: Okay. Um, Has life made you more cynical or more hopeful?
1: Oh, I'm always a glass half full girl. I always have been. I'm always hopeful. I'm always positive. That's a lie. Not that. I am <laughs> hopeful. I think that it really is a better word. I can't say I'm always positive because everybody's got bad days. But um, no, I'm always a glass half full girl. Always looking for more.
0: Do you ever get told that it sounds half empty? No. No?
1: No. Because I live a positive life, so that wouldn't even jive. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I mean, I get what you're saying. I get the whole thing, but I think it's the way you live it.
0: Yeah. And I'm no, living no, I it get, the half full way. Yeah, I get. You know, in my world, I get. Well, that sounds like a glass half empty statement. And I go, that's not exactly what I said. <laughs> you just heard it that way. Right. So I go, I'm I'm not exactly sure how I'm supposed to take what you just said to me. You I know, exemplify and I go, half yeah.
1: half full, not half empty. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um why does it have to be half?
1: I don't know. Yeah. I'd rather my glass be full, frankly, yeah. and I'm always looking to fill the glass. Yeah. So
0: So if you're hopeful with a half empty glass or a half full glass, it's still half.
1: It is. Yeah,
0: regardless. Mm-hmm. That's why I look at it and I'm I those are the questions that I go. I hear the statement. I just and I understand what it means, but I go doesn't fit <laughs> like we should have everything we want I mean and I'm and the should or shouldn'ts uh, we talked about this yesterday a little bit too but uh, I, I'm learning how to stop using um, ultimatum not ultimatums but ex- extremes extremes thank you and should and shouldn'ts are extremes Whether they're extremes in mental personality so it's like I want you to do this or so you should or should not do it like that Mm-hmm. uh there is no right that's or wrong. That's where it goes way. with the rules thing that you yeah. were talking about earlier. Yeah. And because people say you should or shouldn't, that means you're following a set of rules that goes to them. And right. so I go, and when I hear myself say you shouldn't, I go, motherfucker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That'll get edited out. <laughs> uh,
0: no, and that's one of the things that, you know, I, I like to, I know I make mistakes and I know I can edit all this stuff out. I know I can go there and easily take out the things that I say, mm-hmm. but I have to think about what I say. Mm-hmm. And, and it, just because I have the means to edit out the things that I don't want in there doesn't mean that I should. Right. I should say those things. You
1: have to be organic. Yeah. I mean, you can't be sterile. You need to be organic. That's more real yeah. than sterile, which isn't really real. Unless you're in medical and you want it to be sterile. Yeah. That's a different story.
0: I think almost all of life right now is too sterile and... Too PC. And it's also been all edited down for you to see the bright, shiny parts of it, not anything in between.
1: I think I'm I'm learning... I'm trying to do use video in my career. And so in the beginning, I kept thinking that a perfect video is what we want. I have to have the perfect video. And... Um, And I think what I'm learning is the less perfect it is, the more appealing it is because it's a real you versus this perfect thing that nobody is. Nobody's perfect. And And you don't look
0: that way. You know, I think the idea, interrupting you, sorry, but the idea behind Story Vault is that thing. To not see people made up, to not see people dressed up, but just to talk to them and see how they act. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I think people will miss that after you're gone. You know like right here's your stories uh you you can't act them out anymore you can't tell them anymore and we can't get all the information and your side of it and your vision and your the way that you tell it mm-hmm. and your words and everything else mm-hmm. uh and just those gone, facial expressions
1: yeah. that you are so fond of in someone yep. that you'll miss yep. you know um If I could hear my dad's voice to say, Dolly, again, that would be something that would be very meaningful. Yeah, that's why this works. It does. Good. Yeah. (laughs) No, really, I mean, it it is. And that's, when I talked to my friends about this, it was the same kind of thing. It's like, you know, I would love... um, you know, one of them's having a book written about her dad's life. And so somebody interviewed, and now they're writing the book. Well, that's great. And and the stories will be on paper, and so they won't be lost. But the storyteller will be gone. And that's that's the most important part, to hear those voices that live in our heads and our hearts. It's huge. Yeah.
0: as they go away.
1: They do. As much as you don't <laughs> want them to, time erodes it. Yeah.
0: Uh, I have my, one of my best friends died a couple of years ago. Uh, and he was a good friend of mine for over 20 years. And he, uh, we had a lot of really good times. Uh, we spent a lot of time together drinking. We spent a lot of time together hanging out. We spent a lot of time being friends. Mm-hmm. And when he died, um, I know his voice, mm-hmm. but I can't hear it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I know his words. Mm-hmm. Like I know his... He would say this. Right. Uh, and
1: here's how he'd say it. Yeah.
0: And I can see him not, move, but I can't, uh, it's, it's just not, the not there.
1: Uh-uh. Nope. And that's why having something like this where you can watch it unfold. Yeah. And hear it unfold. Yeah. Is so powerful.
0: I also believe that for those people who are making the mistake right now, want, not wanting to spend time in your life, here's an opportunity for them to maybe see later on what they missed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and after when my mom passed away, um, my brother reached out to my two boys to say, you know, you know, I just lost my mom. And the good thing is we had such a good relationship throughout our lives that I have no regrets. There aren't things I didn't say to her. She knew when she died that I loved her unequivocally. And we and I, I was at peace. Did I want to lose her? No. Was I sad about it? Of course. But, I had no regrets about the fact, oh my gosh i should have I should have had a relationship with her, and I didn't, and so my boys um got a letter from my brother, each of them he hand wrote it and talked about that, and just warned them that you know someday your mom may not be here because if you're thinking maybe someday we'll get back together or someday you know we'll do that that you may lose that opportunity. My mom died suddenly, it wasn't something expected at all and in the blink of an eye she was gone and he warned them you know I think you boys are gonna have regrets I think you're gonna have guilt if your mom's gone and you haven't tried to reconnect with her and I don't think they've taken it to heart and I kept thinking that when they would have a relationship with significant others females that the question would come up obviously when you're learning about someone you ask about family and I'm curious what they say when that question is asked. And I kept thinking, okay, if there is a new stepmom that comes into their lives when they were younger, that she would either say, What what the hell, kids? I mean what you know, what's the deal with your mom? Right? And so she'd either be a great person who would really try to work to get everybody back together because it was the right thing to do, or that she'd be so wicked that I would look really good in comparison. Well, <laughs> There was a stepmom, and I guess, I don't know, I guess it didn't happen either way because it didn't make a difference. But um, I kept hoping for the wicked stepmom that would make me look good in comparison. I don't think I got that. And now that they're, you know, I've got, uh, my older one is going to (laughs) be 30 next week. Um, Yeah. Who knows when it might happen, if ever.
0: Uh, again I'll say if you're wanting something it'll happen it's not uh,
1: a a bit well I've got a really close friend who who prays about it a lot for me Um, I'm not big into prayer so that's sort of not my thing but she thinks it's important and I said well it certainly couldn't hurt so you just carry on and do what you feel you ought to do and she thinks something will happen and We'll see.
0: Does that prayer, you don't believe in prayer, you don't believe in religion, or you don't believe in other people praying for
1: you? Um, <clears throat> so religion's not really part of my life. Uh, I guess when somebody asked me about that, I would say that I am, I'm not going to say I'm atheist, because I don't think that's it. And then I learned there's something called agnostic, which seems to be a better fit. And so the way I just, and, and mine may not be a textbook Description of what agnostic is, but the way I use it is the fact that there could be a supreme being. I'm just sort of sitting on the fence waiting to decide if there is or isn't. I could be swayed either way, and I haven't been, so I'm still sitting on that fence. So I'm not disparaging anyone else for their beliefs. I don't have any. I could probably have some someday if I really saw something that made me think that that is, but I tend to be a very one plus one equals two kind of person, and so the idea of a supreme being and all that sort of Were your parents? Doesn't. Um, they were Episcopalian, and so we went to church. Um, not every Sunday, but...
0: But you had some...
1: We went, and I taught I taught kindergarten there in Sunday school. Of course, I'm teaching kindergartners how to cut out angels and glue into a piece of paper. I mean, there really wasn't a lot of education there. Yeah, there was. Well, not that I was aware of. Right. But... Um, There's a difference in that. Yeah. So... There's a lot of
0: stuff you learned that you didn't know you learned by being in church. Just probably, so,
1: probably, probably true. Just by being there. I, and I'm not, I, I would and never say. it's in say, here. Yeah.
0: It's in here. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm pointing to my head, but. Uh,
1: I'm sure there are ethics in here that uh, came from that. Um, but it's just not something where I think about it on a daily basis. I don't. Yeah. Um, you know, I made sure both of my boys got baptized because I think that was something I was supposed to do. But it wasn't See, there's a I, lot that's in there. That's I know, not, you know but that, I didn't. I don't necessarily understand, believe it, or whatever. Yeah. I just sort of did it. So I didn't want them to go off in life without having anything religious as a backdrop. But I don't think either one of them are religious today. Probably, probably because of that.
0: Ooh, what do you consider to be the most important world events of your lifetime? That would be a good one to close on, I think.
1: Okay. Oh, um, no, I got one more. Okay. Um, I Probably my earliest memory about um, a world event is when JFK was shot. I was three.
0: Do you remember it at three?
1: I remember um, everybody was crying. I remember we had the old big console TV in the, in the living room, right? And it was like nonstop coverage of what happened. And so everybody else is crying. Mom and dad are crying. Everybody's really upset about it. So apparently I got upset too and I went into my bedroom in the closet and just went in there and cried for a while because I thought that was what everybody was supposed to do. Um, so that was really my first memory of anything like that. Um, the Challenger, when the, when the Challenger exploded with the, the teacher, Krista McAuliffe mm-hmm. on it, I remember exactly where I was. I, I, I can remember where I was when that happened. I can remember where I was when um, that whole conflict in Tiananmen Square mm-hmm. happened and the students were, were mm-hmm. facing off with the army. Um. And of course, 9-11 and the crazy thing is, my mom's birthday is September eleventh. So it just really. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: There's somebody in my family, who has the same birthday, and every time it, it messes with the date.
1: It does, it does, and like I. Rem- you can't
0: not think about all right, of that stuff right whenever you just hear just the date. Just a
1: birthday, yeah. And I remember um, the day that that happened, yeah, I remember where I was, I was standing at the pump, you know, pumping gas in my car that day after the when the second plane hit. And then all of a sudden everything unfolded after that. It was just, um, and I remember we were supposed to be having an office meeting that day. It's Tuesday. I knew it was Tuesday because we have office meetings on Tuesday. And we turned on the radio and put it in the overhead speaker so we could hear it. And there was a gas station right next to my office, and you could watch the gas go from a dollar, whatever it was, to $5. Like, it just went to $5 they in just automa- yeah, two just seconds. See you later, right. And I just started getting... And then once the Pentagon happened, I literally left the meeting, and I went and got my kids out of school. Because I didn't know what was going to happen. It just felt like the chicken little sky was falling kind of feeling. I mean, a lot of panic. You know, it's like, this is this is something I don't know how to deal with right now. So until I know how to deal with it, I'm going to go get my kids mm. we're going home and I'm going to figure this out. I didn't have it figured out yet, but I just, it was very unsettling. Um,
0: how long did that last for you, do you think?
1: Oh, I think um, the acute, acute part of it, just a few days until they really were starting to sort through all of it and we figured out what had happened. Mm. But um,
0: it's Amazing how fast we figured out what happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, so those are some big things. Um, it seemed like those are sort of crisis kind of things really made a big impression on me
0: I think that seems to be a ongoing trend uh, In people and the sad
1: well the sad part is since 9-11 to now It's been a long time, but now we've had is we've had other bad things not quite to that scale But we've had you know school shootings and other stuff that happens and I hate to say that it's almost become part of our fabric of our lives these days, which is really sad that it doesn't make as much of a big impression on you like it used to or or desensitized. We're very desensitized. Uh,
0: What do you hope to be remembered for?
1: Um, I think that I was a person that anybody knew they could reach out to me and they would get the help that they needed. The helping thing just is there. It doesn't go away. Um, that, I was, that I was good at what I did, whatever it was, because I really um, try to be the best person I can be doing whatever I'm doing to the max. And that's why I think when I die, I hope I hit the wall at 100 miles an hour and go out in a burst of flame with no tread left on the tires because I want to wring every bit I can out of this life. And they'll say, yep, oh, yeah, she did. She did. Because they know how much I love adventure and and just immersing myself in life all the way. I'm all in until the last day
0: Uh, I've come up with a new ending for our podcasts uh, because I don't start them very well Uh, that's (laughs) it you're gonna end them with yeah it's been my thing I don't start because I hit record (laughs) and we just get into talking and I don't do it so uh, as we were talking I realized that no one here knows who you are (laughs) Uh, because I'll be the mystery because I have you know I'll write it you know it'll be on the the credits beforehand Mm but the name of the podcast is, Hi, My Name Is. Uh, so, I figured, if everybody starts anonymous until the end of the podcast, right? And you go, Hi, My Name Is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you get to say who you are as your own tagline for the end of it. Okay. And you get to describe yourself in uh, however tagline that you would like to describe yourself. <laughs>
1: um. So, hi, I'm Linda Graves Arnold, and I am a very acute liver of life, love living life to the absolute fullest.
0: Thank you for coming in today.
1: Hey, this was awesome.
0: I'm glad you enjoyed it. Me too. I mean, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, we'll have a link uh, sent to you. Okay. Uh, we'll have it on our website as well at www.angelaudio.me/podcasts. Uh, podcasts are heard on Stitcher, on Apple i iP- or uh, podcast, and Apple.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, they are heard on Google Play, and I got one more coming. There's another <laughs> one out there. There's another one out there.
1: Well, considering this is my first podcast, yeah. Pretty you did exciting. very nice. You did very well. Thank you. You did very well. It was really—it's enjoyable. It's a format that um, allows you to tell some stories in a safe environment, um, where some of the things are fun to talk about, yeah. and other things not so much. But maybe they still need to be talked about.
0: And there's one of the, you know one of the things with Story Vault that says if you talked about something today, and you you heard yourself say something that mm-hmm. should not be heard by other people, mm-hmm. uh, let me know. And what happens is it gets covered up by an advertisement.
1: <laughs> Got it.
0: By Story Vault that okay. says, Story, Story Vault, <laughs> 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 this sound, boing, <laughs> indicates this is no longer in public domain. It's right. something like that. Right. And we now return you to the podcast already in. There
1: you go. Already We don't in stop. Mm-hmm. We
0: just take out that little part of it and go, okay, we'll get back to it. It's just an advertisement in the middle. Okay. Uh, that's one of the things that, you know, as I started yesterday, the podcast with Keith and Chris, there were things that couldn't be said <laughs> and somebody would say it and can't say that. And I go, <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean this. Uh, it wasn't me. I mean, I said it sometimes too, but they did as well. Uh, can you edit that out? I go, yes, I can edit that out. Yeah. So
1: the beauty of editing,
0: the beauty of editing. Right. So great. Thank you very
1: much. Awesome.
0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Angel Audio Productions, providing audio reproduction for 25 years. Find us online at www.angelaudio.me or on Facebook at Angel Audio Co.